great British manufacturing podcast brought to you by MTD, MFG and Jefferson. Hello and welcome to the Great British Manufacturing Podcast. On this week's podcast, we will discuss the positive news in the British manufacturing sector from the last seven days. And welcome a special guest, who this week is Emra Gozturk, CEO of Sterling Thermal Technology. Stuart, it's really good to be joining you this week. And uh, what a week it is, isn't it? An abundance of positive news. So let's jump straight in. Bentley Motors have announced a major investment. We got wind of this last week, didn't we? But it's come to fruition. Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic news. So um, Bentley is to build its first electric car at its crew plant. And this is part of a wider £2.5 billion investment programme. The investment, described as a major boost for the UK economy, secures Bentley's first step into electrification at the Cheshire site, where all the luxury car makers' models are built and 4,000 people work. So, yeah, as you say, fantastic news. Uh, and Rolls-Royce, they're planning on a new facility here in the UK. Is that as good as the headline would suggest? Absolutely. Um, this is Rolls-Royce's um, small modular reactor consortium. Um, they're set to build a new £200 million factory in the UK. The group has approached several of England's regional development bodies and also the Welsh Government, asking them to pitch for the manufacturing sites. For those less familiar with the, the programme, the, um, the SMR programme is expected to create 40,000 British jobs um, and the, the project secured almost £500 million in funding last year to develop a new generation of mini-reactors. Great thing is 80% of the components will be made in factories across the UK. Yep, fantastic. And uh, positive news from our friends at British Vault again. Yeah, they've secured um, more than £1.7 billion in funding from global investment company um, Aberdeen, Tritex and the, and the government's automotive transformation fund to build a new factory manufacturing plant in Northumberland, which we've obviously covered in previous podcasts. The Gigafactory, which is one of the UK's largest ever industrial developments, is expected to create 3,000 direct jobs and thousands more across the supply chain. Um, and British Vault also, uh, this week, they've signed a memorandum of understanding with Lotus to collaborate on the research and development of advanced EV technology for the firm. So, lots going on. Indeed, and Airbus have launched a global recruitment drive, and it's going to include a cohort in the UK, several cohorts, possibly. Yeah, we're still waiting for a few more details, which hopefully we'll be able to update people next week. Um, so, they've announced a plan to recruit 6,000 extra staff, um, across the world with its brought in and filled in sites expected to benefit um, although an exact breakdown of where the roles will be created is is yet to be confirmed um, last month the aerospace manufacturer re- revealed that it delivered 611 commercial aircraft to 88 customers uh, um, throughout 2021 and plan to ramp up production to meet this increase in global demand so yeah good to see the aerospace sector making a comeback yeah, incredible, isn't it? Incredible. Uh, continuing on that aerospace theme, positive news as a whole for the world's aircraft manufacturers. Yeah, um, global aircraft orders and deliveries are beginning to recover from the impact of the pandemic. The backlog of orders for aircraft, uh, aircraft currently stands at 12,989. Um, and this potentially is worth £190 billion in economic value to the UK manufacturing uh, sector in the coming years. Wow, incredible. But let's take a short pause from this week's positive news. Uh, there's plenty more to follow in a minute, but I'd like to introduce this week's guest, Emra Gozturk, the CEO of Sterling Thermal Technologies. Welcome. Hi, hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're more than welcome. To start with, we'd like to learn a bit about you as well as your company. So to start with, can we talk about your career to date and your current role and responsibilities, please? 
Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a Turkish originally Turkish person. Uh, studied in engineering, uh, mechanical engineering. Worked in uh, stock listed multinationals uh, for about uh, 16, 17 years. Uh, mainly in food and beverage and applications around that kind of sectors at that time. And I mean, I relocated to UK almost five years ago. Uh, and uh, here in the UK, I've done a technology startup for the first few years and then uh, started the role about two years ago from now with uh, Sterling Terminal Technology. Uh, Sterling, I mean, my role at Sterling, I'm the CEO of the business. So we are focusing on uh, accelerating our customers' transition into zero carbon technology, zero carbon economy with our heat exchanger technologies. And, and we are a, 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 a engineer to order manufacturing business, uh, which has a history of uh, up to 100 years or more, actually. Quite a big chunk of our businesses with uh, large OEMs. Uh, so we export, I mean, pretty much quite more than half of our businesses in export, uh, I would say. We employ about 100 people uh, across two sites that we have, uh, one in Birmingham and one in Aylesbury. Uh, and quite, quite a strong team in engineering side of the business. Uh, and obviously uh, have suppliers and, and, and supply chain across the world. No, fantastic. And uh, thanks for joining us, Emma, this morning. And uh, just to illustrate um, what Sterling Thermal Technology do, are there any recent projects that you could share with us to, to uh, better, um, you know, give, give our listeners a better idea of um, the kind of projects and the type of sectors you work in? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, we deal with mainly sectors like um, energy, power generation, defense, and industrial and chemical uh, sectors. Uh, a lot of the projects we do specify on resolving a specific challenge for the customer. We are at the, let's say, high-end uh, part of the market. Uh, we deal with projects like, I mean, I can give a few recent examples, as you say, uh, working on uh, plastics recycling has been quite an interesting project that we've done last year, for example where our customer is uh, making a chemical recycling of uh, waste plastics, uh, making out of it um, feed for new plastic, as well as uh, developing jet fuels and aviation fuels out of it. So uh, on these kind of applications, the, 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 the conditions of the, of the process require quite a really high uh, pressures and temperatures and so on, which gives us a demanding challenge to, to tackle from an engineering perspective. A lot of the, the, the products we do in these kind of sectors uh, are, I mean, all of them are designed, uh, engineered and designed to, to, to meet the strictest uh, safety standards as well as uh, the challenging application. And we use quite a lot of times exotic materials that, that quite a lot of companies cannot form and change and so on. So that makes it quite unique from our, our end, uh, where we deliver a, a cost-effective solution to our customer, but at the same time, something that they can get anywhere else. I mean, some other recent projects, I mean, uh, obviously the world is moving towards uh, a zero-carbon economy. We see quite a lot of impact of it. Uh, you know, for example, desalination of water for fresh water use for human consumption, but also for agriculture is a big topic, big energy-consuming topic. Uh, we've been involved recently on a, on a project uh, for a solar water project where uh, solar energy is used to uh, create energy for the, uh, the power hungry desalination process uh, where our heat exchanges come into place uh, dealing with, uh, with various very aggressive materials 
that are used uh, to, to transport the heat from the sun to, to, to the desalination plant. So that kind of projects are our are specialty where we uh, engineer with our customer the solution together. Then uh, we uh, design the manufacturing, mean, thermally, but also mechanically design the, the products. But then at, at the end of it, also manufacture and deliver to the highest quality standards. So uh, that's that's what that's that gives it quite a good example of what we do. When you look at it, we, we work in uh, energy and power generation. We work in defense. We are part of some uh, major defense programs. Uh, but also we work quite a lot around circular economy, we, talk, we, we work quite a lot around uh, things like, for example, organic electric cycle kind of applications where uh, geothermal energy is used quite a lot. So we are actually part of that uh, transition that is happening around us uh, every day. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, um, as you say, um, gives us and our listeners a far better insight in terms of what you do there at Sterling. Um, you touched on there about you know zero carbon. I mean, over the last twelve months, there's been a huge amount of publicity, noise, um, initiatives launched around sustainable manufacturing, renewable energy, carbon reduction. How important is it to, to you personally or as a company? And you know what kind of trends and what opportunities are you seeing within those within those markets? And uh, and how's that you know affecting um, you know Sterling in terms of your uh, your marketing and so forth? I mean, practically, I'm a father, so uh, I, I, I want to leave my, 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 my daughter, but also um, her children in the future, I hope, uh, a better world uh, in that sense, personally. And I think it is important for us to keep that in mind uh, when we are thinking about the technologies and what we are doing uh, today for the, for the future generations. And I think it is, it is at the heart of our, our transformation here at, at, at Sterling as well. Uh, the when when you look at it, uh, quite a lot of times there is there are some uh, let's say uh, trade offs when you're designing a product from an engineering perspective, where our approach is to to take the perspective that is that is most beneficial for the future generations to operate. A lot of the products we design, I mean, sometimes they go up to having a, a, a design life of up to sixty years or so. So that so our products will be used and. Being a company that is over 100 years old, you can you can imagine we have uh, quite a strong installed base across the world, where our products are used over and over for long times. And one of the things that that we concentrate on that longevity is is that uh, I mean every time when you manufacture a new product, obviously you're utilizing some resources. You you have an impact in the environment whether you want it or not. And uh, our way of, of looking at it is, first of all, to design things and work in sectors where we are contributing to our customers to reduce their impact on the environment, but also deliver products that are having the longevity so that, that uh, a repeated manufacturing impact of these products is not going not gonna to come into in, in, a, in a short time. So that's where we are, let's say, focusing on our quality, so focusing on our design and the longevity of our products uh, to, to make sure that the impact that anything we do is at minimum to the to the environment yeah wonderful yeah absolutely couldn't put it better myself we need to leave uh leave the uh the world in a better position than we found it don't we so yeah fantastic insight um the next one slightly controversial i want to know your general thoughts about uh brexit uh, i think i mean i'm i'm personally uh, i worked all my life uh, in an international career and i'm i'm, I'm, I'm 
I'm a migrant in the UK personally, but I think and I I, I think we should generally embrace uh, the fact that that I mean, countries need to get well with their neighbors and work in cooperation. That's that's my take on generally the, the things. Having said that, I mean, Brexit obviously ha- takes a different angle uh, on how the trade relations between the countries work, how the how the how the legal frameworks around things are. But it doesn't impact, let's say, the, the way we are working with our clients. I mean, as I said, more than half of our businesses is abroad. Quite a big chunk of it is in European Union. Uh, with our European Union clients, partners, suppliers, and so on, we continue to work as before Brexit. There was a little bit of, let's say, uh, I wouldn't say confusion, but I think uh, there was a little bit of understanding the new uh, set of rules at the beginning when, when everything came into force. But from our business's perspective, we continue to do business as normal. Uh, I mean, I think it is it had a very minor impact on the way we do things on, on that sense, the international standards and and and. and uh, the, the way we build and design products haven't changed uh, based on based on Brexit. So in that sense, I think uh, it is it's important to keep in mind that that yes, Brexit is a big word, but for especially engineering businesses, I think it is important that that we are having long established customer relationships and long established uh, products that 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 are uh, solving customers' problems. Then the borders don't mean much. I mean, uh, we have products today uh, from. Asia to North America, from Europe to Latin America, all around the world. Some of some of them are floating on the water that, that we don't know where they are <laughs> for a lot of times. So so I think it's it's uh, the impact of Brexit. Uh, I think the probably COVID has been a bigger impact on every business than than Brexit itself. Uh, when you look at engineering and manufacturing sectors, uh, some of the supply chain disruption and challenges that we have seen at the beginning of Brexit process have now calmed down, I think. Uh, the, the bigger supply chain disruption is, is caused by uh, issues around COVID and, and, and its inflationary impacts and, and impacts of freight and so on uh, across, the, across the world. But it seems to be that we're coping quite well with it. I think looking forward, it, uh, obviously some of the benefits and some of the, uh, let's say, uh, trade relationships that, that UK aspires to develop beyond Brexit needs to needs to be materialized so that we uh, we can benefit from it in a better way uh, and and I think that that is the the area that that needs, that needs to be concentrated going forward yeah and just for, uh, you know back about sterling really what what are your aspirations for the future in, you know I guess 2022 and beyond I mean uh, we, we are we are looking at, at uh, I mean First of all, uh, 2022 started really strong for us. Uh, I mean, uh, our, our order book has been developing very, very positively uh, within the last, let's say, 30, 30 to 60 days. Uh, and, and especially looking forward, we are uh, aiming for further growth and further internationalization of our business. Uh, I think the, the, the important point there is that, that a lot of our growth comes from uh, renewables and and, and and that kind of sectors, like when I compare it with just even like maybe two, three years ago, before the beginning of the pandemic, where probably our order book would have like something around 15 to 20% only on, on coming from renewables. This year, I think we're going to break above 40% uh, on, on renewables. And our aspiration is to really 
have a majority of our business coming from uh, renewable energy related topics, uh, be it the grid uh, that, that is required to support developments on the renewable energy where our products go into, but also uh, around directly the, 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 the products that are that are going into renewable energy plants, uh, be it wind farms, hydropower and, and others themselves. I think uh, when, when you look at it from the disruption that is happening around uh, energy sector, disruption that is happening, the changing world is actually quite an advantage for a company like Sterling because we have uh, brilliant engineering teams. We have uh, we've been investing a lot on our people to develop their skills, uh, uh, have have a solid understanding of both thermal and mechanical engineering requirements that, for our business, which gives us a solid advantage when we are globally sitting down and, and engineering products uh, to, to to deliver in this kind of changing world. And when the world is changing, there's a lot of need for understanding the new conditions that is required, uh, new challenges that our customers are facing with their processes or, or their products, and adopt or change or create new solutions for them. Some of the technologies we do, like, I mean, we are a specialized uh, company on, on uh, heat pipe technology, for example, where uh, the, 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 for the cooling work itself, for a, let's say a power generator, is, is reduced significantly, like the energy demand is reduced significantly. It's a complex solution that requires almost no maintenance. And we see that kind of technologies breaking barriers into uh, helping the customers on their, on their applications, both in the transformation that is happening in the energy sector, but also around the things like data centers and the development that, is, that the digitalization is bringing. So I think it's, it's quite an exciting world out there for us, for growth prospects, uh, where bespoke engineered products are are highly required for us as a as a as a planet to be able to master that transition and change yeah fantastic it sounds like you're going to have a a good year and a, and and a great future there at um sterling thermal technology emma thank you so much for joining us on the podcast it's been an insight a pleasure and yeah i appreciate your time yeah thank you very much thanks for having me Stuart, fascinating insight isn't it fantastic interview again no, absolutely. Um, we're very lucky to have some incredible guests on the podcast each and every week. And uh, please contact us if you'd like to uh, come on the show and talk about yourself and, and your company. Yeah, yeah, couldn't put it better myself. If you want to join us on the podcast, email podcast at mtdmfg.com or just reach out to Stuart or I or any of our colleagues on uh, social media. Great to have you on. Uh, also, please download the MTD MFG app. Uh, as I always say, we don't get time to renew all the positive news on this week's show. It'd be, it'd be pretty long if we did. So go to mtdmfg.com or better still, download the app. Uh, back on with the news now. Um, JLR have secured a lot of funding to accelerate its electric vehicle ambitions. There's been a lot of buzz on social media uh, for this story. Some good and bad, to be honest. But uh, what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, I think you broke the story on the, on your Swarth Guru account, Joe. And um, so, yeah, JLR, they've received a £500 million export development guarantee, which will support the research, development and, and export of battery electric vehicles. UK export finance has guaranteed 80% of a new £625 million loan uh, from 12 commercial banks under its export development guarantee programme, which is d- designed to drive major investments into, into UK exporters. The loan will support JLR's plans to invest about £2.5 billion a year. Um, that will increase to, to reach probably about £3 billion by March 2026 to increase the number of battery electric vehicles in its model lineup. And this is all under its reimagined strategy. So 
Um, the potentially good news, I think people have made some comments about state aid and so forth, but uh, JLR is Britain's biggest car manufacturer, so we've got to support them, is my view on it. Yeah, yeah, I echo that, absolutely, for sure. Uh, India's OLA, or OLA, they're set to build a new facility in the UK, and I must admit to you, before I saw your feed, I hadn't known, uh, I wasn't aware of this company, so great news. No, likewise, Joe. Um, the electric vehicle manufacturer has announced plans to open a new £100 million global engineering and design centre in Coventry. Um, it's expected to create 200 jobs. The Indian-owned firm's future foundry facility, as it will be called, um, will focus on both two-wheel and four-wheel vehicle design, modelling and development of new energy systems, including cell technologies. So another huge investment for the West Midlands. Yeah, this next one, it's uh, one of my personal favourites. Uh, the University of Wolverhampton Racing Team secured a sponsorship boost. Um, this is fantastic news for our good friends at UWR, uh, Shane and Terry and their colleagues. I couldn't be happier for them. Uh, what can you tell us about it? Yeah, great news for, uh, like you say, our friends and, uh, and Factory Now members, UWR. They secured £200,000 from uh, local business, high clear investments. And this will allow the student-led race team to compete in a brand new motor racing championship this season. After a successful year of racing uh, last year that saw UWR crowned Formula 3 Cup class champions, the team will now be competing in, the, in this year's Praga Cup, following a substantial investment in a new Praga car. So great news for them, um, the university and also the students. Yeah, whilst we're on this automotive theme, um, there's been a couple of models launched by British supercar manufacturers, hasn't there? Some stunning cars. Absolutely, unfortunately, a podcast, but uh, so, um, but yeah, visually stunning, as you say. So, Gordon Murray Automotive has unveiled the T33 model. Um, this is powered by Cosworth 3.9 liter V12 engine. Um, and the great news is it'll be built at the legendary, legendary car designer's new £50 million global headquarters in, in Surrey. Um, and the, the next one, um, this is from Noble Automotive, the Leicester based uh, car manufacturer. They've unveiled the twin turbocharged three and a half litre Ford V6 engine powered M500. Uh, testing is underway, and the first customer deliveries are set to start later on this year. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's good, isn't it? We've had, um, you know, auto automotive, albeit with the supply chain issues, is on the up. You know, aerospace is most definitely on the up. Um, and manufacturing as a whole must be on and up because we've had some uh, we've had some great news from um, you know the PMI and other indexes. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, British factory output grew for 20th consecutive months in January. The UK manufacturing PMI reading for the period was 57.3, well above the 50 mark that denotes growth. The report shows that while global supply chain disruption and worker shortages are still a concern, um, there was a welcome easing in, in um, logistics issues. So yeah, as you say, good news uh, this week for automotive, aerospace and the wider UK manufacturing sector. Yeah, just good news after good news. There's actually a couple of things broke this morning we haven't we haven't got chance to uh, talk about, but you'll see that on mtdmfg.com, uh, the app, or you know my account or Stuart Jefferson's account. So yeah, please do follow us online. Uh, Stuart, a massive thank you to you. A massive thank you to Emra Gozturk, the CEO of Sterling Thermal Technologies. It's been a great podcast, but as always, the biggest thank you goes to home for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. and leave a rating and a review. You can find us on Twitter using at MTDMFG and at Jefferson underscore MFG.